Hello everyone, this is James and welcome to the Notorious Banker Podcast. 2,902 amazing followers at BankBetterGuy on Twitter. Dozens more subscribe to Patreon.com slash NotoriousBanker where for as little as a $1 subscription, you can help me, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks. And i got a good story for you to top off the show here. And 5,400 amazing followers at TikTok at NotoriousBanker. What a whirlwind of events that has been. 33,000 likes on the videos, guys. Thank you so very much. I really do appreciate it. And I appreciate the support that I've been getting for the videos and a lot of the Twitter stuff that's been going on as of late. I've shifted my focus a little bit to the California unemployment thing. And now that um, the federal government just passed the... COVID-19 stimulus bill where, you know, $900 billion is supposedly going to go to the people, which includes $300 a week for unemployment, which is still run by very shitty Bank of America in California, Arizona, Nevada, um, Iowa, I believe, and many other states. Um, We're going to start to see some more fraud going on in these places. And there are some people who didn't get their unemployment money uh, from the last time and it's really ridiculous it's really scary and i'm really worried for a lot of people uh, during this holiday season and during this crazy year of 2020 uh, of course we're all going to get 600 dollars um, in our pockets probably as early as next week that's a big positive but what can i say you know it's a drop in the bucket it's been a crazy year and i have a couple more podcasts this year before we get into 2021 but i gotta tell you it's been a hell of a year for yours truly, the Notorious Banker, and the podcast that I do, everything that I do in general, just because, quite frankly, if it was not for COVID-19, who knows where yours truly would have been. I probably wouldn't have had enough money to sustain this business. The stimulus from March really did help with unemployment, the $1,200 and everything that allowed me to pay the bills, keep this operational. But of course, the donations and subscriptions to patreon.com slash Notorious Banker has helped me a lot. Um, so I am one of the lucky ones. There are so many people out there who aren't so lucky and of course we're thinking about them and we're going to work hard to fight to get their money back. And that's what I do and this is why I'm here. So California unemployment, um, be vigilant on that because it's something's coming with it and when money's coming in there's going to be more fraud and there's going to be more Bank of America BS, pure and simple. Um, speaking of Bank of America BS, as I've mentioned before, I fight back against big banks. I am the notorious banker. And we crossed um, a really cool threshold on Friday. $1.3 million recovered in fees, whether they be overdraft fees, monthly fees, fraud claim recoveries, cashier's check holds. Um, you know, all these little things that happen where... Money is being withheld from customers. Money is being taken and not given back. And, you know, customers are being blamed for things that aren't their doing. It's really eye-opening what big banks do. And I've worked really hard to establish myself as the foremost um, expert at calling out big banks BS. And um, i got to say um, a lot of it has been warranted um calling out these banks. And um, we have a follower of um, at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, Janice who had um, $3,000 that was ripped off from her. Um, Someone created a Venmo account um, using her bank account information and sent money out via Venmo to someone else. She didn't know what Venmo was. She didn't know what was going on. And that money was gone. She filed a claim with Bank of America, who then promptly denied it, saying, well, it was her information that was used, so it was a valid charge. Well, no shit, it was her information used. It was stolen. So, you know, it's like Bank of America confirms, oh, yeah, yeah, the account number was right. Well, we know it's right. That's why the money is gone, for God's sakes. 
So she went through this crazy um, month and a half long process where she was getting absolutely no help whatsoever. She was out nearly three thousand dollars. You know, you got to pay bills, you got to pay rent, you got to do all this stuff. Bank of America was not having any of it, saying that it was her responsibility to not share her information on websites like Venmo when she didn't even do it. Um, she posted on Twitter. I had um, communicated with her a few weeks back. I said, "Hey, this is." Not good. Let me tell you. Let me give you some pointers on what to tell Bank of America. And lo and behold, I get a message on Thursday night saying this money's going back. And Friday, for sure, it was back in her account. And um, she did leave a nice shout out on my Twitter account there at Bank Better Guy. And I'm really thankful for it. Uh, of course, we posed with the oversized check. That's another score for yours truly, the notorious banker. Another three thousand dollars back into the pockets of hardworking Americans who have their money taken from crooks. Now, I'm not going to say it's money taken from banks. I'm not that um, libelous. Crooks took her money. Money was stolen from her. Bank of America security guarantee that they say in all of their terms and conditions saying, hey, if something bad happens and you didn't do it, we're here to back you. This is why we're your bank. They failed her. So big banks were apathetic, especially Bank of America. This one was apathetic. In helping her get that money back, she was without. She screamed on Twitter. I saw her screaming on Twitter, and all of a sudden, we connected, and a few weeks later, that money is back in her account. There's no doubt in my mind that yours truly, the notorious banker, is a much better banker than 200,000-plus other bankers at Bank of America because, one, I care, and number two... um. I understand what these people go through and people who work in an office and don't realize that when someone calls them and says, hey, $3,000 was stolen from my account, I need help, that they don't understand what that means, okay? That means someone is not going to be able to pay the bills. And meanwhile, you're insulated in a company that has 200,000 employees where you can just literally just fall into line, fall into the middle of the pack and never be recognized throughout your 50-year career. Um, a company that's worth $250 billion, who has $2 trillion in assets, and they can't even bother to fuck with this person who lost $3,000. It's wrong. It's criminal, in my opinion. Um, but what what can I say is, you know, you let me know what is going on, and I will do my best to coordinate an effort to get attention for your cause, and I will find every way, including media, including, you know, shouting out at these a-holes that screw you over on Twitter and all social medias, sharing your story, I will find a way to get you your money back. You know, the media is really good whenever they find out a story that a bank has screwed someone over, they contact the bank, and then one day they just lie down like dogs and refund the money. Well, guess what? I have that same power, and I am not really media per se, although I guess, you know, I have a podcast and I do videos and whatnot, so I guess I am a personality at this point, but um, make no mistake about it, they are afraid. They are afraid of, of you as a customer with information, and they're afraid of me, quite frankly, so if you ever have any need for my services, you know how to holler at Bank Better Guy on Twitter, James at TheNotoriousBanker.com. Uh, 575-322-4127 voicemail line any method of contacting me i will be glad to help just let me know and you can be anonymous for the most part i don't need to know your life story i just need to know where you live what happened and um give me some backstory to that and i can kind of construct what happened and how to fight back at that point in time and of course i do this um 
you know, I do this because I care, but at the same time, I really do feel that this is my career, and um, subscribing even $1 to patreon.com slash notoriousbanker helps contribute to, to allowing me to be compensated for the hard work that I do for these customers. Um, so if you don't need help yourself, but you understand what I'm doing, please contribute to my podcast. Please contribute to my project here, because we will be successful for these people where banks fail them. And you know what? I don't feel the least bit bad about offering my services for a fee because, frankly, I am the best at what I do. Got a couple things I wanted to talk about in today's podcast, and um, and both of them really tick me off in different ways. Um, first off, we're going to talk about a very interesting story in the news last week where um, the adult website Pornhub uh, made some news where they basically were trying to make sure that they can continue to monetize their website and they removed millions of videos that were uploaded by users and um, you know there's a lot of reasons why they did that there's a lot of issues and you know this is a banking podcast this is a financial podcast but I will have to go there to to give you some context as to why um, they did that because they were trying to save their ass and save a lot of money but later on that week Visa and MasterCard announced that they were no longer going to do business with Pornhub um, citing some of those things that Pornhub itself found on its servers. And um, I guess what I'm going to be getting at on today's podcast is the hypocrisy of, a you know, like Visa and MasterCard, the hypocrisy of banks for that matter. And I'll use my experience at B of A as an example where um, restricted use of your own monies for certain services is um, something that not a lot of people talk about. And in this age of um, sports gambling that's going on and, you know, people wagering millions upon billions of dollars in casinos um, and, then, and then, of course, you know, cryptocurrency and everything. There's this whole um, subculture of credit card companies and banks that are kind of withholding you from spending your own money the way that you want. And in America, I feel that that's kind of wrong. So I want to get into that a little bit. It's going to be kind of getting into the weeds with that because it's it's a very complicated story where I understand where the credit card companies are coming from, but at the same time, it is America and we deserve to um, pay for porn if we want to. And we'll get into that and what I think the future is going to be for that. And then secondarily, we're going to be talking about an experience I had at the Bank of America ATM um, last week and last night where there is new software on these Bank of America ATMs, and I'm going to tell you why that software has been changed to kind of combat fraud. But whenever I say to combat fraud, I don't mean they're going to help you fight back against fraud. I think it's going to help cast a shadow of doubt on any story that you claim about fraud and fees. Really, really weird, but it's not a conspiracy theory. It's it's just from past experience that I know what what these ATMs are doing now are really detrimental to the customers. And then, uh, without much ballyhoo, today is the second anniversary of um, the podcast that you're listening to, Notorious Banker, formerly known as Wire Bank Sucks. I'm gonna um, talk about the first podcast I ever did and the story about Christmas time in Houston, where tens became hundreds and the christmas miracle was alive because bank of america said we're letting you guys keep the money that was taken unauthorized um, out of our atm so we got a lot to talk about so after this brief promotional consideration i'm going to get back with a whole hell of a lot of topics so please stick around hey everyone it's james the notorious banker inviting you to join me on my youtube channel it is accessible through the notorious banker Yours truly, The Notorious Banker, provides additional commentary about horrible banks and The Notorious Banker's battle to fight back against them. We talk about stories that may not be in the audio podcast, 
plus we add much more. We also include horrible bank reviews. We rate branches from all the big banks across the country through Google reviews and we explain what they could have done much better. Plus, of course, we respond to viewer emails and questions that you may have. I recommend that you go to TheNotoriousBankerTV.com, subscribe to my page once you get there, and enjoy the additional commentary yours truly, The Notorious Banker, provides. Plus, you get to see me as an added bonus, so please sign up today. All right, and we're back with more Notorious Banker. Now, one of the things I've mentioned in previous podcasts, and it's not something that I say, you know, proudly, I mean, I am a 37-year-old man, I am a man, I am a heterosexual man, and I, you know, have certain desires, just like certain men do. I like to have a good pizza whenever I drink. I used to like to have a very classy drink that tasted amazing, and, you know, sex is part of life. Sex is part of everyone's life, for the most part, anyway, and part of that is, of course, relationships, but another part of that is adult videos and adult entertainment. And um, I've never been one to shy away from my um, dalliance with that. I have told you a couple of times in a couple of podcasts that I have visited the AVN convention in Vegas. Um, You know, adult film convention, all the porn stars are there. They're signing autographs, they're taking pictures, you buy things, you get a lot of freebies and stuff. It's a really cool experience for someone who is inclined to... Um, kind of enjoy that world. You got to do it once in your life. It's very salesman-y. It's very bank-like. I think maybe that's why I like it because everyone's trying to sales pitch you on shit. But frankly, you know, you got to you got to do it because you'll have stories to tell friends. You'll tell friends stories about things you saw that you never thought you would see in person. It's really cool. And um, needless to say, I have made friends in the adult film industry since then. And then, of course, we have this whole cottage industry of OnlyFans. This whole cottage industry of girls finally monetizing off their own bodies after being subjected to so much um, harassment over the years, you know. And as a heterosexual male in his 20s, a decade, a decade and a half ago, this was something I was a part of. Because even 15 years ago, the way that men looked at women, the way society looked at women was a hell of a lot different than they look now and it's really cool to have people empowered in a situation to where they say you know what if you want to see me naked it's gonna cost $15.99 on OnlyFans and although I'm not one to spend a lot of money on stuff like that I am all for people trying to monetize and make money during these unprecedented times as the banks like to say well Q Visa and MasterCard um this past week basically saying that they were no longer going to do business with Pornhub one of the largest porn websites in the world um, for the simple fact that there was some controversial content, content, some illegal content, to be frank with you, that was found on Pornhub servers. And I'm going to go to CNN's article about this here. And it says, MasterCard, Visa, and Discover are blocking customers from using their company's credit cards to make purchases on Pornhub. This comes after allegations were made against a pornographic website in a New York Times column on December 4th, accusing the site of showing videos of child abuse and non-consensual sexual behavior. Following the Times column, MasterCard launched an investigation into the claims against Pornhub and said it found them to be substantiated. And then this is a MasterCard spokesperson saying, The use of our cards at Pornhub is being terminated. Our Our investigation over the past several days has confirmed violations of our standards prohibiting unlawful content on their site. As a result, and in accordance with our policies, we instructed the financial institutions that connect our site to our network to terminate acceptance. And then it says, MasterCard is also investigating other websites for potential illegal content. Meanwhile, Visa is suspending the use of its cards for purchases on Pornhub, although its investigation is still pending. 
And then Visa says, um, given the allegations of illegal activity, Visa is suspending Pornhub's acceptance privileges pending the completion of our ongoing investigation. Um, and then Discover says the same bullshit, basically. And then Pornhub says, quote, these actions are exceptionally disappointing. The company noted that just days before the bans, it announced before the bans, it announced new measures to eliminate child abuse and non-consensual activity on its platform, including removing all unverified content and banning unverified users from uploading content on its site. A lot to unpack there with that. So basically. Um, people found stuff that they weren't in agreement with that was um, good for Pornhub. And I am not going to be one to defend um, instances of child abuse or um, sexual assault or anything like that. This is not an argument that I would ever want to make, you know, even in the devil's advocate role, because I am not advocating any of that shit whatsoever. It's wrong and it's horrible. And people who put stuff like that on there, people who commit stuff like that in there, need to go to prison and need to go to prison for a very, 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 very long time. A miserable experience. That being said, um, the grandiose nature of Visa, MasterCard, and Discovery here, and here I am talking just on behalf of consumers here an advocate of consumers, bank customers, okay? And all banks use Visa, MasterCard, and some use Discover, and Discover's its own thing. Um, it's a little too grandiose for me. It's a little too holier than thou, because here's the thing. Pornhub is the most known of the websites. Pornhub is the one that has, you can buy a t-shirt with its logo in the mall, probably. I've seen people with these shirts before. You know, it's it's a widely known logo. It's just like Kraft cheese. It's like Coca-Cola. It's like Budweiser beer. It's all these things that we're just so used to seeing. So we're, we're frankly so used to seeing that logo. So it's the Coca-Cola of these type of websites. They find content that they don't like on there, and they proactively get rid of it, and they also, you know, cut off the no their nose to spite the face, basically saying, you know what, we're no longer going to um, host content that is put here by people we can't verify as known adult stars. That's big. They're already sacrificing millions upon millions of dollars and millions upon millions of clicks there because you're basically eliminating every video that's not verified through the adult industry at that point. And that's that's huge to basically say, you know what, we found this these things to happen and we're going to put a stop to it. But then, you know, off the top rope, Visa and MasterCard and Discover come off the top and say basically, yeah, we're terminating any way that you can possibly make business, which is a really big bank thing to do because they're basically saying, you know what, you're not shit without us. And we're going to make you so um, irrelevant that you're going to go out of business. You're going to have to sell your assets for pennies on a dollar because no one's going to want your company because we're not going to allow credit cards to be accepted here. Whenever you see stuff like that and you realize that the adult industry, like when you go to, I mean, people don't go to stores anymore because you can go on Amazon or you can, you know, buy this content online or you can go to the convention in Vegas is a billion dollar industry, multi-billion dollar industry. Okay, some of these DVDs cost $60. Some of these toys cost $100. Some of these toys cost $1,000, if not more. People spend money, and how the shit are they going to do that? They're going to do that with their credit cards, and their credit cards have branding. So for for um, these companies to pick on one company and say, Pornhub, you have unverified content on here that also contain this and that, so we're not allowing you to do business 
where the fuck are those people with xvideos.com and xhamster.com and tube, RedTube and, you know, YouPorn and all these other places? I'm not here to advertise for these companies. But you know what? Those ones are a little bit shadier. You know what I think of when I think of Pornhub? I think of, like, actually looking at real porn stars. I think of the ones that you know, Jenna Jameson and, you know, that's a little skewing a little bit older here. But, you know, Riley Reed and all that stuff. But you go to X videos, you go to all these places, and it's amateurs. It's people that you don't know, that you don't know them from Adam or Eve at that point in time. And you don't know their age, you don't know their background, you don't know if this was done with a gun pointed at someone's head. Who the hell knows? And those places are a little skeevier. You know what I mean? I, I feel more comfortable going to a Pornhub than I would be going to an xhamster.com. Because what I remember from 10 years ago, the last time I probably visited that website, is there's a shit ton of pop-ups. There's malware. There's virusware. You know, there could be ransomware in that place. You don't know. So places like that are more the Wild West. So whenever Visa, MasterCard, and Discover say, oh, we're taking out the big boys here at Pornhub, that's a drop in the bucket. It's a drop in the bucket, you know, child abuse and rape and all these things are, and revenge porn is another one, and I've actually been a victim of revenge porn before, told a story about that on my podcast, and it's not fun, it's very scary, but you have all these things going on, and um, you pick on one website, that's just basically just telling me you're grandstanding, because you know what, if you want to stop all these things that happen, child abuse and human trafficking and all this shit. I'm, I'm just throwing it out there. PayPal would be complicit. Cash App, Venmo, any, any, any method of trading money, trading currency for content is going to be um, you know, at risk at that point. So any method that, and, and here's the thing too, and I always talk shit about Zelle. And Zelle is one of those things where, you know, they say, Bank of America, you know, the leader of the pack with Zelle says, you know, transfer money to friends and family or people you trust. I see so many people on Twitter, on Instagram, you know, talking about, hey, you know, I have nude content. You can send me money through Venmo, Cash App, or Zelle. They're obviously violating the terms of Zelle, and yet people are still using it. So at that point, is Bank of America going to say, hey, you know what? We're going we're gonna to stop Zelle because there's a lot of people doing a lot of shady shit. No. And that's why people funnel drug money through checking accounts and savings accounts. That's why people do all these illicit things. And it seems like banks don't choose to stop those things. But all of a sudden, the three major credit card companies here are just picking on one website and saying they're the source of the problem. When I can tell you a million other ways that people transact for um, sexual content. It is ridiculous. It makes no sense. And there's a few things to unpack from this policing um, content by removing credit card options. I referenced OnlyFans on there. And I am not a big um, purchaser of OnlyFans content. I know about five people who currently do that. I've had someone who has an OnlyFans on this podcast. We had Sierra in Tennessee who um, you know, promoted her content on there. And she's, she was making 1200 a month last time I checked, which is um, more than enough for me to live. So I hope that's a good start for her. Guys, in 2021, if um, Visa, MasterCard, and Discover are doing this, I don't think OnlyFans is going to be a thing in the in the long-term future here. I think because you have just these random Joes or Jills who are going to be posing, who are going to be flaunting their goods on this website in exchange for cash that they get monthly, 
aside from OnlyFans verifying their identity themselves, and I know they have a method of doing it with an ID and whatnot, you know, if you have a random person in there, if someone's recording a video and you have a random person back there and that person just happens to be 17 and they're not there to do any content, but they're just there just walking in the background, all of a sudden you have now created a scenario where there's a person who is not of age is in a video that is promoting adult content. And are Visa, MasterCard, and American Express and Discover going to freak out? Are Bank of America and Wells Fargo going to flip their shit whenever an OnlyFans direct deposit goes into someone's account? They absolutely will because they're stupid and they're, it's nonsensical. It's the flavor of the month to pick on places like this. And during this year of 2020, when people lost their jobs, and literally the person that I interviewed um, on my podcast about OnlyFans literally lost her job. So she said, you know what, I need to find a way to make money, so here it is. This is the most detrimental thing to a lot of women uh, and men too um, out there, you know, who are trying to find a, a little cottage industry to let them survive till the next time. And if OnlyFans goes, then you're going to see millions upon millions of people, yes, millions of people, impacted financially by stupid decisions because of the off chance that one or two people or maybe a couple dozen people, maybe more, were doing things that they shouldn't. That's that's an entirely Bank of America, Wells Fargo way of, of policing things. Saying It's like the PS5 thing that I've been talking about on Twitter. All these people complaining that they can't get video game systems because um, their banks, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, are flagging it as fraud. Well, yes, there's fraud on Walmart.com. That's what people do when they commit fraud. That doesn't mean everyone who is trying to buy something $500 online is committing fraud, stupid. That's just not the way that it works, banks. But all of a sudden you get all these people who are not going to have a video game system this Christmas because they decided to be heavy-handed with fraud protection and say, no, we did it for your protection. Fuck that. I want a PS5. I want an Xbox. You owe me that. I waited six months for this thing to come out. I saved up all my money. I worked hard to keep money aside that I could make this big purchase. And you didn't let me buy it because you're telling me what I can and can't buy and the method that I choose to buy it. And I know it's crazy. I know it's crazy to be such a staunch defender of stuff like this. And there's a lot of, you know, advocate groups, advocacy groups out there that are in support of women who are trafficked, you know, children who are trafficked, and just things like that. And I understand wholeheartedly where they are coming from when it comes to that. Because people are profiting on something that it was taboo to profit on a generation or two ago. And there are some people who are profiting on it in ways that are not legal. But you can't just say, fuck everyone, and we're taking every method of monetizing what you decided that you wanted to monetize legally. That you had the pursuit to do, and all of a sudden, these companies say, you have no way of getting your money. You have no way of charging your customer to view your content. So now you have to do even shadier shit like... Cayman Islands and through through some like throughway company where people send money to a middleman and then the middleman sends money to you and it's kind of a wink and a nod it's still basically the same shit it's just one extra step that's what's going to happen that's what's going to happen or you're going to do Zelle or you're going to do Venmo and then you're going to have more bank fraud and then you're going to have people dealing with it that way and it's stupid it, it just really is going to be a pain in the ass, and it's going to be more work than these companies are really wanting to deal with at that point in time. 
And like I said, I feel for those advocacy groups because I know that they're trying to, to support women. I know they're trying to back women and, and kids and making sure that they're not being exploited. And I'm all for that. But there are some people who are legally doing it. And there's some people who choose to do it. And now they're having their rights kind of impacted by that. And the whole nature of this podcast is about um, fighting for your right to do what you need to do. Whether it's bank better, whether it's, you know not being called a criminal whenever fraud happens to you or whatever. And that's what it's all about, too, guys. That's what it's all about, too. It's one part, oh, we found horrible activity. But you know what also happens, especially with Visa, MasterCard, and, and Discover, through the banks. You know, and it's, it's the banks, too. But um, it's the fact that people have buyer's remorse or they they can easily dispute these charges and pretend that they are you know, church going holier than thou people and they don't buy porn. I have seen this happen in person at the branch. <clears throat> 2011 and 12 it was. I've had two consecutive years where I had instances of this happen during the holiday season. Uh, 2011 was my first year as a banker, as a manager, if you will. And um, it's this story is so vivid to me just because it's the holiday season. And we had this um, couple that used to come in all the time, very churchy people. You know that they were churchy just by looking at them. And um, I had, you know, I had the lady in my office, the wife in my office, and she was crying. And then she's like, can you close the door? And I was like, yeah, sure, I'll close the door. And you're not allowed to close the door at the bank usually because uh, Bank of America thinks that once you close the door, someone's going to fucking attack you and they're not going to be able to help you. It's so stupid. It's a dumb rule. But she was crying and I wanted to give her her privacy because my office was loud and she wanted to tell me something. And she said, um, I need to dispute about $500 in charges. I'm like, well, okay, yeah, I can help you with that. So what's going on? Um, you'll look when you go on my... Um, when you go on my transaction history, and I looked on it, it was all porn. It was all pornography, and, you know, if you've bought it before, you know what those charges look like. So it was nothing but pornography. And then she said, you know, my husband's cheating on me with these charlatans, with these Jezebels, and I can't compete, and this is horrible, and my husband has lost his way, and he hasn't, you know, he lost Jesus and this and that. And she goes on to tell me for 30 minutes of through tears that her husband had this like crazy porn habit that he developed a couple of months before and that he would spend twenty, thirty, forty dollars at a time um going on these websites. And he said and she said that he would go on several times a day and get different websites and she couldn't take any more and she wanted to dispute those charges as unauthorized charges because her name was on the account too. So I'm just gonna say it's Jack and Jill. I know it's a horrible name for the man, but Jill um, it wasn't her card, it was Jack's card, but Jill said, because her name was on the card, she didn't want anything to do with that, so she wanted to dispute the charges on behalf of her and Jack. So basically, she called customer service to dispute these charges, and she got a fucking credit for all these charges, and I don't know if she got a permanent credit, because um, I kind of lost track of her about a couple of months later, but she got the money back, and because she said that they're good, God-fearing Christian people, and they would never do this type of thing, and so on and so forth. And it was all bullshit. It was all on the phone. And I'm all for people who believe in, in religion and whatnot. It's That's not my cup of tea. But, you know, more power to you. But she was basically lying. She was basically saying that her husband would never do that. Like her normal husband under normal circumstances wouldn't do that. And she wouldn't do that. So these had to be fraudulent charges. And the bank fucking gave it to her. The bank gave her the money back. 
husband came in a couple of days later wondering why his card wasn't working and then I kind of inferred to him that his wife had come by and he kind of knew but in this weird pervy way he kind of had a smirk about it like he knew that I knew what was up and it was just really weird and gross but she got the credit for that now let's say it goes through the fraud process and this is me defending the banks here mind you I'm actually going to defend them for a second and you go through the process you say it's unauthorized whatever and then let's just say they do a fraud analysis of her and she says oh she goes to all these Christian bookstores and she donates to Pat Robertson 700 Club and all this and all of a sudden you got you know anal gaping whatever I know it's a horrible thing to say in a podcast but you have lesbians and threesomes and milfs and step families and all this all these keywords that just hit on you porn and all this stuff and you see that on your transaction history do you think the bank is going to decline that probably not they will refund you that money but what happens you know the money just doesn't come out of a vacuum the money gets taken back from the payment processor from the content providers they get that they lose that money the money goes back theoretically into the customer's account who was defrauded quote unquote and then the bank the payment processors who kind of manage the payments for those adult providers they charge those people a fee like an overdraft type of fee for that and every every different company has different variances of that but they not only don't get the money that they charged you for the content they lose money because of the dispute and it's fucking bullshit and that's unfair that's unfair to to those people and frankly it's a it's a tax on banks and this is why banks become so stupid when it comes to actual legitimate disputes is because they're just like, oh, yeah, sure, whatever. And and they don't have time because there's so many people filing false claims. Yes, that's a thing. And I'm never going to not say banks don't have to deal with that. But for God's sakes, I literally saw this lady lie through her teeth saying that she was a good Christian woman and she didn't know where these charges came from. Her husband was into porn. And it's okay but she took her little dispute with her husband into a bank thing and all of a sudden the bank thing became hundreds of dollars refunded from all these content providers with fees charged on them and they get their money back. And God knows where they are now, the, the husband and wife. All I remember is they were part of the living Christmas tree here in town. And the only reason that I remember that is because the local weatherman always does a report from the living Christmas tree. That's something that we are missing this year in 2020, unfortunately. But... I remember seeing the living Christmas tree that year, and they there they fucking were, the porn freak husband and her his wife. And that's all I could think about when I think about this Pornhub thing with American Express and Visa and whatnot. It's grandstanding to say that you're fighting back against these horrible crimes that are committed. Of course we believe that you're fighting back against them because you know what? We all are. We all we all want to fight back against these horrible crimes against humanity. But whenever you basically tell a website, you tell a company that you're basically going to suffocate them until they die because they can't accept payments through any other means except cryptocurrency, which is also a restricted way of doing business for most major banks, which will likely cause Pornhub's accounts to be closed down wherever they bank at. It sucks, and it's fucking bullshit, and it's not fair to them. And I am only defending them because of the way that Visa, MasterCard, Discover made this statement here. You can fight crime all you want, but you know what? It's frustrating because my family's restaurant is on mile marker 139 in New Mexico on I-25. It's a hamburger joint. I love them to death. And in the early 90s, my aunt 
got into trouble with the IRS because she had some people who weren't quite legal citizens of this country working in her kitchen. And she got in trouble and she paid the piper. She didn't go to jail or anything, but she paid a lot of money. But you know what? You think about that. And I think about an older lady. She was in her 60s at that point in time. And she was actually, um, you know, paying these people a minimum wage. And one of them was actually living on site because he did all the prep work and stuff like that. Rest in peace to Primo, um, thinking about him now. But, you know, she was just trying to operate a a business functionally, and she had labor that was um, not legal, but at the same time, she was compensating them for that. And yes, the tax part of it is really shitty, and she should have gotten in trouble, and she got fined, I'm sure, for all that stuff. But I think about about 25 miles down the road south, it's um, I-25 south, it's like mile marker 115, 116 or so, there's a truck stop there. And I'm not going to mention the name of the truck stop, because legal purposes but i know the owner of that truck stop and i believe he's still the owner um he was a customer of the former place that i worked at and you know he deposited tens of thousands of dollars at a time I'm like holy crap how does this shithole of a truck stop make this much money while i have friends who worked inside the rest areas um, that were about five miles away from there and i heard stories of drug deals i heard stories of prostitution that were going on not through the owner the owner is a cool guy but i heard about all these things and i've seen personal ads online that talk about these dalliances that you can spend uh, money on here at this truck stop you know you can find a person to hang out with for the night if you get my drift at this place but here's the thing that truck stop has like a really shitty couple of hotel rooms I wouldn't want to stay there, but they have hotel rooms there for truckers who want to spend the night. You know, they have shower services, everything that a truck stop has, and they have restaurant and food, of course. My family worked at that restaurant for a little bit as well. Um, Do you want to close them down? Do you want to close down that truck stop? Because I know prostitution and drug deals went down there. But you know what also goes down there? Fucking Dr. Peppers and Reese's Cups and bags of um, Chicharrones, bags of Doritos, hot dogs, uh, two egg breakfast, all that shit goes down at that truck stop. But the simple fact that this one crime is committed kind of in the bubble of that place, and that's how I know that place by, you're going to fucking just tear everything down and just ruin their lives because of that? No, you isolate the incident, you take care of that, and you let them move on. I'm sure Pornhub's going to have to spend a lot of money on lawyers, and I know they're going to have to spend a lot of time thinking about all this stuff that's going on because now their name is sullied. And yes, there are people who do horrible shit like that. But give me a fucking break here, guys. Okay, the people who upload content like that, and I'm just saying this just as a person. You know, let me just get off on a tangent here, and I'm going to wrap it up. So you know how, like, during Halloween now, they always talk about look at your kid's candy because there might be edibles in there. Like, there's things that look like Reese's Cups that are filled with marijuana in there now. And these things are legit. I've seen the labels of these marijuana edibles because I went to Vegas and I saw what they look like. I'm like, holy shit, this is copyright infringement, you know. But you see all these things going in there and you say, hey, this might be in your kid's bag. No, it's not. Because I bought some chocolate at one of these dispensaries in Vegas and it was like $10 a little fucking brick. It was like $30 for three little tiny pieces of candy that I can literally inhale in two seconds because I'm a 300-pound man. But you know what? You know, say you got to worry about the kids. No person is that just lazy with their money to just throw good drugs first of all and a good amount of money into your kid's bag so what am i what am i getting at with all this here um the people who who do illicit things 
who commit these crimes. Yes, there are. I've seen some horrible videos in my time of non-consenting sex on these tube sites. I mean, it's hard to miss whenever they're the top videos on this website. But you know what you do? You remove the user and you contact the authorities. Most people who are committing these crimes aren't doing it in broad daylight like this, for God's sakes. And and it's stupid because, you know what, if if you understand how how adult videos get trafficked, you know, like the ones that are illicit, um, you'd have to shut down Facebook, you'd have to shut down Twitter, you'd have to shut down Snapchat, every huge company's website. And those places get monetized too, and Visa MasterCard is accepted at a lot of those websites as well. And those ones are far more guilty than one um, website that is controversial to a lot of people is. I'm here to defend Pornhub um, in any method that I can because, you know what, it's not their fault. It's not their fault. There are some good people who can solve your name by uploading some content. And they did what they can uh, before the shit hit the fan last week to try to remove all that. Removing tens of millions of videos. It's ridiculous how many videos they removed. But then for the credit card companies to come off the top rope and say, oh, you know, we're going to police this because you can't police yourself. No, fuck that. You did that because people were disputing charges. You did that because you didn't want to put your name, you know, in bed, no pun intended, with these adult website companies. But you're still going to accept Visa MasterCard if you go to the adult video store three miles away from my house. You're still going to accept Visa MasterCard when you go to a strip club and you spend more than $200 on champagne. Or you go to the champagne room, for that matter. I've used a credit card at a strip club before. Trust me, it's still possible. Trafficking happens there, prostitution happens there, drugs happen there. So what the fuck? Where, where's the line going to be drawn? Are you just picking on them? You're just picking on them to make a scene to show what fucking heroes you are. That's all I got to say, Visa, MasterCard, and American Express, Discover, whoever. If you want to fight crimes, good for you. But you know what? At the same time, you don't blow up an entire business model because all of a sudden it looks good it looks good for PR because then you just fall in line with all the other big banks and their bullshit basically saying hey you know what we're doing this for the greater good of society no you're not and with OnlyFans probably going to go away next year in the way that we think and all these other places and every you know premium snapchats and all this other stuff that is technically not allowed on snapchat but people still do it anyway there's gonna be a lot of people hard up for money and then what happens then it goes underground and then there's going to be decisions made there's going to be actions made that you could have kind of quelled big companies and big banks but you choose not to because all of a sudden you want to present yourself as the people on the living Christmas tree saying, oh, we would never do such a thing and we would never be a part of that. Shut up, okay? Sex work is a multi-billion dollar industry and all of a sudden, uh, the three credit card companies just made a humongous dent into the pocketbooks of a lot of people here and it's just wrong. That was a very difficult one. That's why it took 30 minutes. But after this brief promotional consideration, I'll be back with some more. So please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James, a notorious banker, inviting you to join me on my TikTok page. Yes, it's true. A 37-year-old man has a TikTok page. It's at Notorious Banker. The Notorious Banker on TikTok is going to continue to provide commentary about the news and notes from big banks and how they are impacting consumers nationwide. But we're going to add a little bit of spice to it. We're going to add a little bit of comedy, a little bit of music. I really think you can get a message across with entertainment, and TikTok does provide that. The Notorious Banker always had to provide scripting whenever he worked in the big banking industry, so scripting out skits to show people the horrors of big banking is no problem to me. So go to at Notorious Banker on TikTok and see the creative mind that is yours truly, the Notorious Banker, fight back against big banks and inform the young people 
about the dangers of big banks. So once again, the Notorious Banker on TikTok, at Notorious Banker. I hope to see you there. All right, my friends, I'm back with more Notorious Banker podcast. So a couple of weeks ago, I heard from some people complaining about the ATMs at Bank of America. I mean, don't I always hear that shit? I mean, this is something that I hear about 10 times a day, every single day. But I started hearing about the new software, and I didn't really get wind of any new software, but I heard, all oh, the new software sucks, and it's worse than before, and blah, 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 blah. And I was like, okay, well, it must be bad if everyone's talking about that specifically. I hadn't gone to the ATM in a few weeks because I had been hoarding my plasma money for um, to have a big stack of money for my TikTok content. So um, the time came to finally pay the bills and to deposit the money. So I went to the ATM to deposit last week. And holy crap, that new software that was on the Bank of America's ATM just blew me away. It is the worst software ever. And it's really, really scary for a lot of customers. And I got to explain why. First of all, and, and Bank of America updates their software on those ATMs once a year. They did it pretty much yearly when I was there because they would have software updates that allowed the card to spit back out um, prior to the transaction being done to make sure you didn't forget your card, for instance, which was a big thing that happened. And then they updated software to make you have to re-enter your PIN whenever you do a second transaction in case you forgot your card still or whatever. Um, so there were so many different updates to what was going on with um, Bank of America ATMs over the years. And, you know, it came with, you know, mobile deposits um, being more prevalent, which meant that checks and cash were deposited um, a little bit differently at the ATMs now because there used to be um, a slot for checks and a slot for cash. Now you can feed them all in a lot of um, ATMs that they have. But the first part that I noticed about the software, and this was a critique already for the previous software in Bank of America ATMs, holy shit, it is slow. It is like the slowest thing ever. And I'm trying to explain to my wife, like, I mean, she's seen the ATM before because she's a bank customer. Um, I tried to explain to her what I mean by it. And I said, basically, this software is like, okay, it's, it's like if I had my old 486 PC that I got in 1996 from uh, as a gift of my from my dad on my 13th birthday and all of a sudden i decided to install fucking windows 10 on it this high powered software that is um supposedly integrates the you know operating system with the internet better and all that stuff my 486 pc had to have a modem installed and it was going at 14.4k and any website you went to took a fucking half hour, okay? So whenever you're, you know, browsing the web for eight hours whenever you're a kid, shit. Browsing the web for eight hours as a kid meant, like, you went to ten pages. It's not like that anymore. And, of course, everything is seamless when it comes to the internet and operating systems now. But that's what this operating system felt like on these ATMs. It's a new system that has the new logos. It has the new fresh, clean interface and all that stuff. But it goes so slow just to even enter your pin and you go to the next screen. It's just a lag that is ridiculous. And you it's unacceptable for someone who wants to be in and out. If you sell it as in and out Bank of America, that software doesn't help you get in and out. It's ridiculous. So that's one part of it, just seeing the slowness of it and seeing how long it took for me to actually deposit my $300 cash at, at that point in time. But I noticed a couple of things uh, just with the interface on it. And I took a bunch of pictures and videos yesterday, so I'm loading it up as I'm talking to you. And I got to say, the, the, the most interesting thing is seeing whenever you process the transaction, you put your cash in for deposit. And this is, this is the biggest issue I have with it. I put my cash in. I knew exactly how much it was. It's $340. And 
it just kept on loading and loading and loading and loading and loading. And I'm literally looking at this video as I'm talking to you. It's still loading. It's still loading. I, I don't know how much money I put in. It's just time that just is just sucking up your day. Waiting for the next screen. And then it says total amount deposited. And it says $68 on here. That's how much I put in yesterday. So they have two buttons on there now. It says insert more cash. I don't know why you would want to insert more cash and not have it ready whenever you went to the ATM. But that's on you, I guess. But then the second button is view bill types. Meaning you view the, you view the denominations of the bills that you put in. Why is this important? Why is this important to me? Why is, should this be important to you? Well, the view the bill denomination types used to be on the screen that told you that I'm looking at right now how much money you put in. It would say you put in $68, so you put in three 20s, a 5, and three ones. But now you had to click another button that says view bill types, and it brings up kind of like a, a, you know, like a Microsoft Chrome tab that basically tells you the bills and says, oh, you're, you put in three 20s, one 5, and three ones. Why is that such a big thing? Because as noted in this podcast and noted on Twitter at Bank Better Guy, one of the ways that Bank of America denies fraud claims at the ATM, not fraud claims, but issues where money gets stuck or money doesn't get dispensed or whatever, one of the ways that they decline it is they get you to say something incorrect about the denominations that you put in. And this typically happens to waiters. They don't count their tips all the time. They just have a big stack of tips. And they'll just put it in the ATM. They don't know how much they made. In fact, they're wanting the machine to calculate it for them so they know how much they made. But let's just say you put in $144 and you had 620s, 210s, and four ones, And then you file a claim because it never got credit to your account and the machine restarted and fucked up. And they say, well, I put in 520s, 410s, a $2 bill, and two ones, And then they do the audit at the exact same time, at the exact same ATM ID. They're going to say, well, hey, this person said this, but in reality, it was 620s, 210s, and four ones. They're telling us a lie, so what else are they not telling us? And they deny people for that. I have seen Bank of America deny people for not being able to explicitly explain how much money they put into the ATM. It's fucking ridiculous. It's a stupid way of basically denying someone's claim because they forget or they space out or whatever. I mean, you can put in 75 bills at once. I mean, there's a world where you could put in... You know, 500s and 1050s and 3020s and 1010s. I mean, you can literally make it as confusing as possible for yourself. And you're not going to remember that unless you document it somewhere. And I tell people to document everything. But I have seen people get declined because they've missed on one bill. I thought I put in $304. Well, that's incorrect. We didn't see a $304 deposit that day. They maybe saw a $303 one, but they're not going to tell you that. They're waiting for you to kind of confirm that information on the other side. So if you say something wrong, they're not going to help you. They are not going to help you. They will decline you. And I have seen it so many times before, and it just sucks. It's unfair to these customers, man. It's it's wrong what they do. And the fact that this ATM software does not have the view build types on the screen to confirm what you have is criminal because... If if you if it's wrong, let's just say let's just say that it just ate up the money somehow, and that sixty eight dollars was really sixty nine dollars that you put in. There's no way to dispute that. What are you gonna do? You're gonna view bill types. There's no receipt to print out with the view with the bill types until the end of the process. And what if it can't print out receipts at that point? Which does happen. Receipt paper does run out of those things. 
it's a mess and it's it's designed to kind of confuse you and to cast that doubt whenever there's an issue with the atms no doubt in my mind no doubt in my mind so seeing that part of it's one thing and then i'm i'm looking at it here i press view bill types and then it says bills inserted eight ones two fives one ten and two twenties and then it says go back it totals it up for me but it has no method of printing it out and then all of a sudden i scroll and I go to the next one and then it's loading 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 keeps on loading processing how would you like your receipt email print or no receipt and whenever you go to email receipt you never look at it and you go to print receipt you're never really going to look at it either and then it tells you to take your card take your receipt have a nice day that part is confusing because whenever there's going to be a, a monetary issue or a dispute and you don't get it exactly right, price is right when bull showcases get it exactly right, they will deny your claim. I have seen it many, many times. Now, here's the thing with the second part of it. And this is the part that pisses me off. I'm just going to be quick with this. I'm going to wrap it up. On the main page of um, the ATM screen there, whenever you go to like what you want to look at, so they have, um, what do you want to do? Do you want to get cash? Do you want to make a transfer? Do you want to make a deposit, check balance, or view more? And then the view more is stupid. It's like view the nearest ATMs or view uh, change your PIN or some shit like that. But it says check balance. And then you go to check balance screen, you load it up. Um, you go to check balance, you cannot print a balance and you're like, well, so what? What's going on? So here's the thing. You can't print a balance unless you do a transaction which removes or adds cash. Why is this important? Because they don't want you to have a piece of paper that tells you something on a Sunday night or you know after business hours. They don't want something that tells, tells you that you have a certain amount of money whenever those deductions happen overnight. And then you go to the bank saying, hey, you know, look at this receipt. I have $1,400 in there. And then your $1,300 mortgage payment comes out, enough to cover it with your $1,400 balance. But then also your insurance came out for $152, leaving you at a negative 52. But at the same time, that happened retroactively to Friday, and it didn't show up on the screen there because it didn't process at that point in time. So it didn't show up in your balance. So you didn't need to go, oh, shit, I need to put money in here. Otherwise, I'm going to be negative. The fact that you can't have a piece of paper that tells you how much money you have without doing a transaction tells me that they are wanting to eliminate those conversations where, well, you might have thought you had this on Saturday, but, you know, Saturday's not a business day. So Monday's going to come around, and this is what you actually have. I never understood why banks were open on weekends for that very reason. I don't I don't understand why they have to have current balance and available balance. It's been a confusing thing for 15 years in, of me and banking, and it's still confusing to me as a former fucking bank manager, but it confuses these people some more, and this leads to overdraft fees. So if you can check your balance or view your balance, it's one thing, but you'll never have a paper record of that moment in time whenever you see your balance. You could take a screenshot, of not a screenshot, you could take a picture of the screen, but is that going to hold up whenever you... Um, argue with bank of america about getting a refund on an overdraft no you have a if you have a piece of paper that says hey transaction one two three four says james baca has one thousand three hundred dollars in his account and that piece of paper holds up and then you can go online and it shows that and you can screenshot that with a date and the time and then five hours later all of a sudden shit gets rearranged and you don't have enough and you're overdrafted that's where those disputes happen and banks are looking to especially bank of america 
Banks are looking to cast doubt on your balance, making sure that you don't know, making people feel uncomfortable. And the fact that they don't have an option to print out a receipt that just has your balance on it to be the only transaction that you do at the ATM is fucking criminal. It is horrible. And I know what they're going to say, and it's going to be something stupid like, um, in order to protect our environment during these unprecedented times, we're no longer going to have excessive use of receipt paper. Shut up. Okay, people go there for that. Have you ever been to a, a you know casino ATM in Vegas? Like literally, you walk up to the casino ATM in Vegas. There's a fucking swimming pool of receipts that just have balances on there because they're checking their balance. So what does that mean, people? That means it's important to people. It, it means it's important enough for someone to print it out, even at a cost, to kind of know where they're at. Whenever you show it to them on a screen, and maybe that thing can get read wrong or anything like that, you're causing that person the possibility to fuck up. And I really think the banks want you to mess up at that point in time. Because they're not going to give you an opportunity to hold a piece of paper that tells you what your balance is, and that's going to cause just this this little little bit of doubt in you that you don't know how much money you have, and especially when you wake up on Monday morning, you have less than that. That's what's wrong, and this is just horribly wrong. And I don't know what to say. I tell people don't frequent the ATMs if you can go into the branch if you if you don't mind taking the time to do that because I'd rather have a teller's number, a branch number, someone tell me, explain to me what this means. That way you have names, you have a transaction received from someone that told you something rather than a machine telling you that. I was big on ATMs for a while until I figured out, hey, they were replacing us. And then two, they were replacing us, but they were also replacing us with very shitty service. Now these two things that I mentioned on this new Bank of America ATM software equal even shittier service than you're getting before. So I, I'm telling you, if you have a Bank of America account, stay away from them. Stay away from them because it's only going to cause you hassle, especially if you're one to deposit large amounts of cash in the ATM and have experienced a machine messing up on you before when it came to that. And then secondly, if your balance is so fluid because you're traveling a lot on the weekends or you're spending a lot more money at a lot of different places on the weekends, um, don't go print out your balance over there. And hell, even looking at it online is kind of 50-50 because um, you're not going to get the exact balance of what you really have until you wake up the next morning and you might be overdrawn. This is just another way of kind of just throwing, uh, you know, something on the road to make you swerve, to make you pay attention a little bit more, which is good that banks are letting you do that. But it's also cast casting a little bit of doubt in your brain, which also means that whenever you cast a little doubt in someone's brain, it's a lot easier to decline them saying, um, no, sir, you were wrong. This is exactly how much you had in the account. Or, sir, that was incorrect. Um, we didn't have a $305 deposit at 2.30 p.m. at this ATM. They might have had a $350 deposit. Maybe someone transposed the numbers. But once you give them that false information, you are fucked. I am not a fan of the ATMs, but that's the only time I go there is to deposit my plasma money. But those um, visits are going to be fewer and far between just because of those little updates that I don't like. I'll be back to wrap up this podcast in just a bit, so please stick around. Hey everyone, it's James, a notorious banker, and you may have heard me talk about my Patreon page on my podcast. That's patreon.com slash notoriousbanker, where for as little as a $1 subscription, you can help yours truly, the notorious banker, continue to fight back against big banks. But I also want to let you know I do accept Cash App, Venmo, and PayPal as well. For information on how to send me contributions through those means, go to james at thenotoriousbanker.com or direct message me at bankbetterguy on Twitter. 
What does your contribution to the Notorious Banker do? Well, it allows you additional content that may not be available for someone who does not contribute. Plus, you allow yours truly to sit here and work full-time for the little guy fighting back against the big banks such as Bank of America, Chase, City, and Wells Fargo. I work hard, I work like hell, and I get things done. So your contribution allows me to pay the bills to continue to function as the Notorious Banker. So if you have the means, I, I would graciously appreciate any donation that you would love to give to the Notorious Banker Project as we continue to fight back against big banks. All right, my friends, I'm back to wrap it up here with the Notorious Banker Podcast. Thank you so very much for listening. Today is the two-year anniversary of my very first Why Your Bank Sucks podcast where we talked about the incident in Houston where Bank of America was dispersing $100 bills instead of $10 bills in an ATM in Houston, Texas leading to hundreds of thousands of dollars extra that was lost by Bank of America because people found out about it, shared on social media that this was going on, and everyone went to go get the maximum amount of money out. That way they could make some money. Bank of America allowed those people to keep that money, which was just a weird, weird conversation to have as my very first podcast because Bank of America is not good of heart to allow people to keep hundreds of thousands of dollars when even the sheriff of Houston said that this was a crime. Bank of America doing that basically opened my eyes to this podcast some more to allow me to do this podcast and to have these hot takes, to have these ideas to share with you that are in fact from years of experience and years of thought. Bank of America allowed that to happen and it just blew my mind. And um, one thing that of course you've learned from this podcast is Bank of America typically doesn't fill their own ATMs. They have an outside company doing that. And that outside company messed up. That outside company was responsible for uh, taking the loss there. That's why Bank of America said, oh, yeah, keep the money. Because they knew that that armored car company or whoever was going to eat the loss at that point in time. How I knew that this podcast got big was I had a, a DM from someone who claimed to work from Bank of America's risk department during that saying I have some information um, about that incident on your first podcast um, um, for you. So do you have Telegram, which is that secret text messaging app? And I said, yeah, sure. So he uh, messaged me on there. And, of course, you're not supposed to screenshot or anything on those apps. But what little what this idiot didn't know, and I'm calling him an idiot because he blocked me a couple months later, was, um, yeah, I have like five phones around me at all times. So I was recording the conversation with him while I was having it, where he basically said, um, because Bank of America's imprint in Houston is important to them, and because that particular ATM was in a working class ethnic neighborhood, a lot of African Americans, a lot of Latinos, they didn't want to kind of make a big scene on Christmas that the big bank was taking away Christmas for a lot of these people of color. And, and the bank just decided to eat the loss, and it was caused by a vault teller, and that person got written up, and so on and so forth. It was this big thing that he told me. And then I was like, holy shit, I got it exactly right. That's what I said in my first podcast. I remember being scared talking about that. Scared about people taking losses and losing jobs and all that stuff. Because I was like, how inside baseball is that for people? And it wasn't. Because these are things that people think about whenever they hear a story like that. Like, someone's got to pay the price for it, so who is it? And sometimes it's an employee. But he told me all these things. And he told me how he was listening to my podcast and looking at my project. And I felt so empowered. I'm like, this dude knows everything about the shitty, scary things that people do to Bank of America. And he's sharing with me that I got it exactly right. That the bank was afraid 
that it would be bad PR if they took all the money back and they arrested all these black and Hispanic people for taking money out of this ATM. I was not as polished at that um, podcast as I am now. I know how to talk to you without going, um, uh, uh, whatever. And I can do an hour and a half. I can do two hours talking about my favorite subject, which is the banking industry, and ways that it's stupid and the ways that we can help fight back against it. This podcast, the Notorious Banker podcast, was spawned out of the Wire Bank Sucks podcast. And as you know, a lot of the conversations about banking here are, are bad conversations. But I also want to empower people with this content, empower people with this podcast. And even now with TikTok and everything I got on Twitter, have conversations about something that we don't normally have conversations about. And I think that's really, really important. And I'm really glad to share these conversations with you. I think two years and 128 plus podcasts over those two years is pretty amazing and pretty indicative of how much I care about this. And I hope 2021 continues to be another year where I'm allowed to care about it this crazy to do this project with um, the love and support of my followers, my listeners, and everyone that's just paying attention to the Notorious Banker. Big things are up and coming in 2021. And on the next podcast, I'm going to give you some predictions about 2021 in the banking industry predictions for yours truly as well along with other things and news as it becomes available as well so we'll have one more podcast after this um next week sometime uh, to round out 2020 this crazy year of ours and to begin 2021 with a new day but i gotta tell you and i have um nearly half a million downloads of this podcast since I started two years ago. And I know a lot of people are loyal listeners and people dabble in and out because you see the numbers fluctuating depending on the topic and all that. But I have a steady stream of a few thousand listeners. And I got to tell you, thank you so very much for listening to my podcast and listening to my project because it's something that I care about so deeply and I care about helping people. Thank you to Janice for allowing me to get back to $3,000. And thank you for listening to my first segment here about Pornhub and everything. I was kind of hesitant about doing it, but I'm really, really fervent about how banks and credit card companies are impacting the way you spend your own money. And if you're spending it on something legal, then by all means, you should be allowed to. And it's a it's a difficult conversation to have. TikTok at Notorious Banker. You can go to thenotoriousbanker.com for more information about yours truly. Subscribe to my podcast. Give me a five-star review where applicable. Uh, voicemail line five seven five three two two four one two seven. I have a YouTube channel. We'll have a YouTube video going up in a couple of days here. I'm just wrapping that up, and um, we'll be doing those. I think every two weeks is going to be the the time frame for that, just because you know it's time consuming to do editing and all that. And I want to have one long amazing show that people can listen to and people can gravitate to. So um, we'll be back in business with that very very shortly. Um, please contribute. Patreon.com slash Notorious Banker. Donate a dollar, five, ten, twenty, fifteen hundred, if not more. And allow the Notorious Banker to continue to fight back against big banks and give you tremendous content that I work my ass off for. So thank you so very much for that. I also accept Venmo, Cash App, among other things. Please let me know if you can do that. P.O. Box 14214, Las Cruces, New Mexico, 88013 is my P.O. Box. Feel free to send cash in the mail. <laughs> Don't send any pipe bombs, though, please. Um, until next time, my name is James, the Notorious Banker, wishing you and yours a very Merry Christmas, if applicable, but if not, a happy holiday season to, to everyone who listens to this. Um, I gotta tell you, I have so much pleasure talking to you about these subjects all the time, 
And my Christmas wish is to continue to do this full-time in 2021. And we're going to get there, my friends. Until we meet again, my name is James the Notorious Banker signing off. You have a great day.